Well, my name is Steve, as was mentioned, and I'm glad to share with you this morning. And we're in part four of a series called Creed. But I want to start by sharing something with you. Um, is this going to work? Is it move forward? Do, do, do. Stay in a lot. Did I turn it on? Did I turn it on? Click and focus on that window and have to leave the focus there. Sorry. For those of you who, aha, those of you online right now, you're actually getting to see the slides as we go through them. And those of you offline here live, you just get to see my smiling face and hear my wonderful voice. Um, so that's good, right? We have something in our house, and I, I got a picture of it up there. It's our table. Our table is quite an important place. Our table is a place where when you come into our house and you get to sit down at our table, you sit down as part of the family. And one of the things I love about this table, it has four leaves. So, I mean, we have had people just come to our house and it just keeps expanding and expanding and growing and growing. And it's great until we're, I mean, we just have tons of people around the house. But there's also something else about this table. Where you sit really matters. I don't know if it's this way in your family, but my kids growing up, they would fight for certain seats. Anybody else's families do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. The best seat, of course, was sitting by dad. Everybody wanted to sit by dad. That was the one they fought for. Um, I don't know what that says about mom. Um, <laughs> But mom was seated, sitting right next to me. Really, you know, the what the neck that turns the head right of the house? I mean, yes, right there. But we always fought over the seats because it was really important where you sat. And today we're going to look at where Jesus sits and the authority that that brings. And it's huge. It's a, of huge importance. But one of the things I want you to think about through this entire time is one, where does Jesus sit in authority, and where is your seat? Where does Jesus sit, and where is your seat? Now, we're talking through the creeds, and remember that when somebody's going to be baptized, they would teach them the Apostles' Creed, they would teach them the Ten Commandments, and they would teach them the Lord's Prayer. Right belief, right actions, and right thought, right thinking. And so let's, uh, if you can, just remember the Apostles' Creed. I happen to be cheating because I have it. I can see it on this little screen here. But the Apostles' Creed, if you can say it with me, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. But today I want to talk about who do we trust in this whole situation? Where does Jesus fit into this? And 
Why is it so important to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved? It says he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Now, there was a big question. Who was this Jesus? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the disciples who were following Jesus were always questioning and wondering, who is this guy really? Is he really who he says he is? And is he really saying he is who he says he, who people think that he says he is? And there was a lot of questioning going on. And Luke 19 and 20 discusses deeply, Jesus tells a bunch of parables, and he situates himself and proclaims declaratively that he is the Son of God who sits at the right hand of the Father. He said, but... He said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I raise you. Sit at my right hand. Now if the son, and Jesus says, If he's the son, how can he be sitting at David's hand? How can he be saying that David says that he is Lord? It it wasn't making any sense to anybody, and they were a little confused by this. And how can he be sitting on the throne and his enemies be his footstool? But Jesus was trying to make sure that they understood from the Psalms that Jesus himself was God. He sat on the right hand of the Father. He sat on the throne of David. He was the coming Messiah the anointed one, the Christ, but also Lord. And as Lord, that means he is Lord of everything, as we will see here in just a moment. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. At the right hand of the power of God. That's in Luke 22, verse 69. Jesus wanted to make sure that they understood that he himself was going to be sitting At the right hand of power. That means all power and authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And this is really going to be important. But this is also what made it... (laughs) The Pharisees got so mad that he said this. Because when he was declaring himself to be equal with God. When he says all power is given to me and all authority. Forgot about the wind factor. All authority is given. And yet he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is saying that he is equal with God. There is nothing that God did that he didn't do. And there is no authority that God has that he doesn't have. He declared himself to be God. And because of that, they were accusing him that he was blaspheming. And that's why they wanted to crucify him. Because if he was the Christ, they needed to obey him. And they didn't want to do that. So they would rather see him dead. But Jesus declares that he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And all the power and authority is his. He says, bring therefore. I'm going to read here farther on. It's just a little far from my eyeballs. I should have made the words a little bit bigger. Anybody else ever have that problem these days? Yes. Yes. For David did not ascend into the heavens, it says in Acts 2, 34 and 36. 
But he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So they wanted to make sure that (laughs) this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he wants them to understand that God himself... There we go. That won't bother me anymore. Peter in his preaching wanted to make sure that they understood that Jesus is the Christ. And he declared that the Lord says himself, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Both Jesus and Peter were quoting from Psalm 132 and Psalm 110. They were emphasizing the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and all authority and power is given to him. God has made him both the Lord and the Christ. The Lord and the Christ. In Colossians 3.1, it is telling us, If then he has been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Why do we need to seek those things which are above? Because Jesus Christ is the judge. He is the ruler. And all authority is his. And he's seated up there in the heavenlies. And we're supposed to have that same viewpoint that Jesus Christ had. Jesus is seated up there in the heavenlies. And he says that we are seated up in the heavenlies with him. And his authority is to rule and to reign over everything that we do and say in this life. He has the final say of what is right and what is wrong. We do not have the final authority to say what is right and wrong. You see, all the way back in the garden, man wanted to declare what was just and right. Because the serpent said to Eve, you want to know the difference between good and evil, right? You want to be like God. And ever since then, we wanted to determine what is wrong and what is right. But we do not have that authority to determine what's wrong or right. Only Jesus Christ has that authority. He is the final judge. And we are to seek those things which are above. He tells us in Acts 10.24, Paul, excuse me, Peter, is speaking to Cornelius. And he says, And he commanded us to preach the gospel to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He is the one to judge the living and the dead. Or if you, the King James Version, which I remember so vividly, the quick and the dead. I always thought that 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 meant God judged really quick people and dead people. But if you were just average, you were okay. You were out of it. But that's not what it meant. It meant the quick. He meant you were living. And he does this for judgment. And this judgment will be upon both believers and unbelievers. You see, God, again, has the final say in what is right and what is wrong. He has the final say of what we do with our life, if it is good and acceptable to him, or if it is unacceptable. Because he is the final authority. And he even says that even believers, even though our sins are forgiven, 
Everything that we do after the moment of salvation will be judged whether it was done with a right heart or a wrong heart, with a pure heart. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Even though we know there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, he tells us that even though in Christ Jesus we have become the righteousness of God, in 2 Corinthians 5.10 it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. And the word appear there is the word manifest. It means to reveal the true character of of something. So when God says, all of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ, everything that we have done will be revealed for the character in which it was done. Anybody really excited about that? I mean, yeah. How many of you have done everything with pure motives and a pure heart? I, I don't see any hands. Well, why? Because we're not perfect yet. We're not fully into the image of Jesus Christ yet. So there's things that we're going to do that are going to be, it tells us in 2 Corinthians, are just going to be burned up and done away. But God isn't in the plan for just burning things up. He also wants to reward us. And he wants to reward us abundantly for what we have done in our body, whether good or evil. A lot of times we just focus on the evil part, but God wants us to focus on the heart. And he wants us to focus on the fact that he wants to reward us. Matter of fact, everything that we are rewarded with, we're going to be able to cast down at the feet of Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But our motives are judged by God. Because who is the only one who has the right to judge? The one who sits at the right hand of the Father. The one who sits in the power and authority. The one who rules and reigns over all the earth. And all those in Christ will face that judgment. But it's rewards. It's a matter of the heart. But then there's also another judgment that and modern Christianity has kind of been put to the side. We, we don't like to talk about this part very much. But remember, it's not... We don't have the right to decide what is right and what is wrong. God decides that. And Jesus Christ says that he has come to judge the living and the dead. He has come to judge believing and unbelieving. All of us will face judgment. I'm going to read a, a long passage. And I ask that you just bear with me as we read this. But I want you to think about two things. One, what it means to be written in the book of life to have a seat at the table. What it means to have living water. And what it means not to. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them and I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were open then another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Both death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone's names was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall no more be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with sulfur, which is the second death. There's a judgment that only the righteous judge, the one with all power and authority, can judge I do not have the power or authority to judge who gets into heaven and who gets into hell that's not my call but there is a righteous judge who sits at the right hand of the father who was given all power and authority and he will judge the living and the dead. He will judge everyone for our hearts. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. This is not for me to decide whether this is true or not. Because frankly, I would love it if there was no place called the lake of fire. Because it's kind of like, wow, that's just mind-blowing. But it's not my place to say. You see, I'm not the creator of heaven and earth. I'm not the sustainer of all things. I'm not the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. All of that is God's. All of that belongs to Jesus Christ. You see, I believe that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
did you see the parts in the passage where God's heart isn't for anyone to go to the lake of fire? Jesus Christ himself died on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, all that punishment, God doesn't want to deal that out, but He is a just and righteous God, and He must punish that which is evil. And I'm just losing my papers everywhere. There they all go. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Thank you, though. You see, the one who sat, who sits on the right hand of the throne, went to the cross first. The one who sits on the throne went to the cross first. Before he declared the punishment, he already paid for the punishment. Before he declared it, he paid for it. He was crucified and buried. He descended into hell. He paid the full price. When he was on the cross, he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, God is not this judge up in heaven that just wants to punish everybody. God is the God in heaven who came to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we deserve, and to die on the cross for our sins. To pay for it all so that we could be with Him forever. The third day He rose again from the dead to declare that this is truth. Remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago in Hebrews. He entered once into the holy place to pay for once and for all. All that judgment that is coming, Jesus Christ already paid the price for. And he says, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the essence. That is the good news. Ephesians tells us that we are already seated with him in the heavenlies, those of us who believe. And right after it, it says, for those who, for by grace have you been saved through faith. Not in some work that you did because our works, well, you know, they could be judged. And some things we didn't do with the right heart or other things we did wrong, we deserve the judgment. But Jesus Christ, for by grace you have been saved through faith, trusting in Christ alone. You see, that's what baptism is about, what they were learning this creed for. And baptism represents we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. And then we rose again with Christ. Judgment has no place on us. We get out of that water and we realize that we are free from any judgment. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. That is the good news that we are to be declaring and proclaiming loudly wherever we go. You see, the truth is, 
without Christ, it says, what? The faithless, the immoral, which is pornea, which means any sex outside of marriage. All liars, deceivers, those who are not proclaiming truth, those who are twisting truth, deserve their place in the lake of fire. But remember the verses before, all those who are thirsty, God wants to give them the water of life. Jesus Christ wants to give you and I life. If you're watching online, I hope you realize that Jesus Christ wants to wash you from all of that shame, all of that guilt, and all of that fear. You may go, well, I don't even know if I believe in judgment. Let me ask you this. Even though you may not believe there's a judgment, how do you know you have the right to decide if there is a judgment or not? Are you all-knowing? Are you all-powerful? Are you all-seeing? Are you all-understanding? Because that is who our Jesus is. And are you all-loving? Because the all-loving God lived the life you could not live, died the death that you deserve, and rose again so that you could be with Him in that new heaven and new earth drinking from the river of life for all eternity. Will you trust him? And as a church, I ask us this. How are we sharing this good news? How is everything that we do at this church centered around making disciples of Jesus Christ? And the first step of someone becoming a disciple is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we proclaiming that everywhere we go? Because there's coming a day of judgment. We can't decide when it comes, but we believe the one who's coming. And we believe that he desires all men to trust him. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Lord, be with us. Be with your word. Lord, may your word go forth and speak to our hearts, Lord. May we always remember that you are the one decides what is right, what is true. And we believe in Jesus Christ. our Lord, our Savior, and King. Amen. The body of Christ, we're about to partake. The righteous judge and Lord died on the cross for us. On the night in which he was betrayed, 
very night that he was going to be deserted by all his friends. The very night he was going to be accused unjustly. The night he was going to be beaten. The night he was going to be spit upon. The night he was going to be lied about. He wanted to give his disciples and all of us throughout time something to remember him. That his body was broken for us so that we might know him. This do in remembrance of him. smitten his body was so deformed that that Isaiah says there was no form or comeliness about him that we should desire him but by his stripes we are also healed by his stripes we are set free by his stripes the bond those in bondage those in pain those in shame are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is my body, he said. This is my blood, he said, shed for you. This do in remembrance of me, in remembrance of him. Let's thank Pastor Steve for his message this morning. Thank you, Pastor Steve.